The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to this edition of The Shalene Show, recorded live from the front seat of my vehicle. Today, I'm in the passenger seat. Brett is driving, and I guess you're in the back seat with your seatbelt on, I hope. We're driving up to L.A. today to drop our daughter off. She's moving out, and we think... The rumor is that we are going to be empty nesters. So today we're going to talk about just transitions, what it's like when you enter a new season of your life, whether that's getting married, going to school, or dropping your kids off at college. Welcome to The Shalene Show. Shalene is a New York Times bestselling author, celebrity fitness trainer, and obsessed with helping you live your dream life. I definitely don't feel as sad as I did when we dropped off Brock and I obviously the first time we dropped off Brock that was 3,000 miles away so that has a lot to do with it that was a lot different because it wasn't like packing up a car and driving up the freeway and you're like you're familiar with all your surroundings like we are with Sierra because she's only living in in Los Angeles which we've been to a a hundred times and I went to school there so it feels very close but Uh going to Georgetown in Washington, D.C., where Brock started his college off at mm-hmm. and dropping him off in that little teenie dorm room <laughs> with a new friend, you know, football roommate. Play, roommate type thing. And I remember going to that Target and, like, shopping just for some necessities. Yeah, that was weird. And I remember that I, I'll never forget the night, like, standing out there. It was really, like, hot and humid. And, like, we were, like, hugging him goodbye. And we were going back to the hotel to fly out the next day. And it was just, like... This is really strange because we didn't have any familiarity with Washington, D.C. or the university or like, you know, we knew that we were going to see him, you know, in a couple months when football season started and we went to all all the games. But it was still it was like that distance makes it different. Yeah. So I think I do think it's feels so different when they're closer and you're dropping your kids off for school. But. Really, because, you know, maybe you're listening right now and you don't have kids or you're not at that stage yet. But we all go through periods of time where seasons, as we like to call them, where things are different, things change. And it's an adjustment period. And I want to talk about that adjustment period. So the first major adjustment period we had in our relationship was, I would say the first one was when you were in Canada playing football and I was in California which was really a hard transition for me having I'd been on my own in Michigan like since I was 18 but being here in California was so much harder because a I didn't know anyone and I was broke and it's so freaking expensive to live here so that was really just being under that constant financial strain and then I bought a puppy that was really (laughs) stupid and, that, and I, I bought a puppy that had health problems. I just remember crying and going, I don't know what to do. I don't have money for food and I've got to pay for the vet bills, remember? Yes, yes. And then eventually I just had to make a decision and I found a breed rescue. It was a Sharpay. 
and I found a breed rescue to take care of the dog because I just financially I couldn't do it. You know, I was trying to live in an apartment by myself in California, but that was a, the first time we had a major adjustment because we had to figure out like what does our relationship look like or what does it feel like how does it change when it's basically on the phone yeah for sure and I and being up in Canada and playing football it was hard for you because you moved out to California to be with me and then I left to go play professional football knowing that I was coming back I wasn't staying in Canada I was coming back in the off season but still that was a long like it was about six or seven months Mm -hmm. I would think Mm -hmm. And that was a definitely a transition, and I think we talked about it a lot, and we knew that, you know, we didn't want to be apart, and then once I came back, we, we got a place together. The things that we had to do is we had to communicate with each other what we needed. Like, I needed him to be more communicative on the phone when we talked at night. I wanted to know, like, I wanted more reassurance, like, he's just in another country, and embarking on this new career and I was you know stressed and working at a law firm and trying to take the LSAT and also trying to do personal training all these things and I just I needed him to be more communicative on the phone I think all women do yeah and the other thing too and I don't know you know when you long distance relationship is basically what we're talking about yeah and you know millions of people do it but it is different too when like you said it's a different country I was on the east coast time zone yeah. so if you've ever had a relationship with a west coast and an east coast so hard it's so hard because at that point we both weren't you know full time entrepreneurs right I had a job playing professional football and you had a job being a paralegal so we had hours that we had to be somewhere that we couldn't be talking on the phone yeah so there wasn't like you know so our basically our time was like me at 10 o'clock at night and you at 7 o'clock at night was like yeah. kind of our time so you know and and, and I'm thinking and like, it wasn't I, easy I, no. I remember I, I don't know if we've talked about this before but I remember thinking like feeling so disconnected from you because you weren't great on the phone to be honest yeah and we weren't texting then sorry we're dating ourselves this is like when was this like in the 90s 94 yeah and so there wasn't texting 93 94 and I just felt so disconnected from you like I thought like is this the right guy I'm in California there's so many cute boys here like should we break up you know I mean I had those thoughts because I felt disconnected so it wasn't easy we struggled and it just boiled down to like you know having a couple of those crying moments on the phone and explaining what I really needed in order to feel connected and you too and then you know of course we would fly out and visit each other but then the next transition period that we had to get through was new baby Mm mm-hmm Brocky yeah that was um yeah that I mean that's major all of a sudden there's a human it's not you know you got a a human you have to take and and that and everybody that's a parent your first kid you literally bring them home from the hospital and you think you're gonna screw it up like you you know you you think that everything's gonna happen you, you know, you think of everything, and you're so massively protective, mm-hmm. and that took a transition of, it's like a flow, it's like you almost get into, you have to get into a new flow. Yeah. I remember you being very unhappy. <laughs> I was unhappy? It seemed like it. You were very stressed, and you literally said, I hate, I remember you said, I hate our lives right now. 
And I was like, no, you don't. Take that back. Oh, well, should we talk about, like, what was going on? Oh, yeah. I mean, every... I mean, I don't want to be that person that's like, you know, my kid was colicky and this, you know, because everybody has those moments with their kids that, you know, it's just, like, unbearable. But Brock had, like, about eight months where, like, we called it the Brock Johnson show, and literally from 5 p.m. to about 8 p.m. every single day for three hours, Mm -hmm. he screamed crazy. Bloody murder. Bloody murder. And the only thing that could happen, and you were were developing your personal training business, you were teaching classes, Mm -hmm. I was coming home from a job, and then it was, like, literally the only thing that calmed him was you had to do step aerobics Mm -hmm. so we had a step in our bedroom bedroom, Mm -hmm. and I remember like just stepping in front of the television like holding him holding him and just crying and P.S. Brett doesn't do step aerobics he didn't do yeah but I literally had to step up step down step up and I I always tell people I think the reason why that is is because when I was pregnant with Brock I was teaching step aerobics and turbo kick and so I don't know, but I, I feel like in my womb, he felt that constant, like, up, down, up, down to the beat, right? So then when he was born, that was a soothing... That We tried everything. He, This kid would turn purple and sweat and cry. And I know people have said, like, oh, I have a colicky baby. Kind, He's kind of colicky. I'm like, there isn't kind of. Like, if you have a colicky baby, you know. This child would scream... For hours without letting up. I thought we needed to do an exorcism. We did. We took him to specialists. We're like, this isn't colic. There's something else wrong. He never, for four hours every night, he screams like he's in writhing pain. And we had them do MRIs. Remember, we took him to so many specialists. And I don't do good. I mean, even today. So I I think. Oh, I think we're about to have a truth moment. Well, even today, I don't do well when my kids are feeling any kind of stress or pain pain Mm -hmm. or I want to solve that problem for them. Mm -hmm. I want to, I want to help them. And when you have a three month to nine month old baby for that six months and I can't solve the problem for him and I know he's in pain, that stressed me out. That was like killing me inside. So if I showed any like, like I hate our lives, it was meaning like I just hate that he has to go through this. Yeah. And to be clear, I know it seems like it was until he was nine months old. It wasn't. How long? It was. He. It's. It kicked in when he was about two weeks old, and it went until he was like about five months old, okay. and then it started dissipating a little bit less. The shorter okay, so period like four, every night. So like four and a half months. So yeah. I was saying yeah. like six months or nine or whatever. <laughs> it seemed like it seemed like fourteen years. But I was so, like, is this kid ready to graduate from high school? <laughs> it was hard, and Brett doesn't do really. Frankly, you don't do well with a lot of stress you don't do well with unexpected no and you don't do well with screaming and crying in pain (laughs) so he would go to work all day and then you know and I was trying to like I was home with the baby and I would be very you know overwhelmed because I was trying to build a business at that time I wasn't a paralegal by this point I had already uh, started my first business so I was trying to find moments when he was napping that I could work on the business and moments while I'm holding him and work on the business. And then when Brett came home, I wanted to just like throw Brock at him and be like, okay, I've got so much to do, which typically what I was doing, cause Brett would come home like at three 30. So Brett had like an hour and a half and then it was the screaming show. And then we would just tag team and all three of us would be dripping in sweat. Yeah. We'd walk him around the block. We'd do step aerobics. We did whatever we could. And then by the time 
he finally stopped, you'd lay him down, and you just wanted to cry yourself. Yeah, you were exhausted, so it was hard to do anything post that. Yeah. We're lucky he turned out to be such a good kid, because he was a pain as a baby. But that was a really hard transition, and again, I remember Brett saying, I hate our lives, and me going, this is what I've dreamed of, like, all my life. I wanted to be a mom, and to have this amazing husband and to live in a nice home and, and to run our own house. business yeah we had a, we just had bought a house too yeah so we we got married bought a house and had Brock all within like an 18 month period mm-hmm. <laughs> makes me laugh because I was like okay let's go <laughs> let's do this all right let's get pregnant but it was a hard transition and I I just wanted it to be the way I imagined it in my head perfect and the fact that it wasn't was okay. It was just really upsetting to me that it wasn't okay with Brett. Like, I didn't want Brett to struggle. I wanted him to deny his feelings. Like I, And that became a theme in our relationship where I wanted him to never feel anything negative. Like, and if you, you know, just ignore it, push it down like that, right? Yeah. But the good news is, is that once I go through something... It helps me with the next time I go through it. So with Sierra, yeah. it wasn't an issue. Like, I understood, like, what's going to happen. And, you know, I think you just have to go through it the first time. And then, th- then it gets better. Well, let's talk about the mistakes we made. I think the mistake that I made was, like, trying to tell you, like, you're not feeling overwhelmed. Trying to force you to force your own feelings down. That was one mistake I made. What was the mistake you made in that season? I th- that you would do differently. I would hope that I could be more patient and just know that this is going to like there's been millions and millions and millions of babies and and they turn and they turn out okay so like I that I would have just had more confidence and yeah. in that just do the best you can and that he'll get through this this and, too shall pass yes like all is well all it's is like what's well. tattooed on my rib cage yeah like it's all going to be That's Brett's latest tattoo it's on his rib cage and it says all is well and I think that's a really great thing to remember. Whatever season you're in, no matter how hard it is, it will get better. You will get through it. You have a track record of success. You've gotten through everything. And when I think about Brock getting through his first you know, year at Georgetown, when it was really a hard transition for him, and he would call me, and I'd never heard him emotional. And I loved that he would be vulnerable with me and share like how challenging it was. But I also told him, every day, you're going to feel better. Every day, I promise you're going to feel better. It's a season. And one thing I can tell you is helpful for everyone when you're feeling overwhelmed or feeling depressed or discouraged or anxious about your situation is take pen to paper. I gave that advice to Brock when he first moved out. I gave that advice to Sierra and I take that advice myself. Whenever I'm feeling overwhelmed or depressed or like this season is too hard, take pen to paper and start writing down things you need to do, things you want to do, things that make you happy, things that you need to eliminate because when you're in that, it feels like it's going to last forever and it won't. The next season that we had to, what would you say was our next difficult transition? The transition from me going full, like, entrepreneur first time. Ooh, dude. I forgot about that. So, we have two babies now. Wait, did you quit before Sierra no, was born? Two babies. Was after Sierra? Yeah. We were in Macedo. 
Yeah, yeah, 100%. Okay, I believe you. So then that would have been 18 years ago. Now, was I working with you? I was working in the business, yeah. but I still had my other job. Yeah, that's so, what it was. So that was at our first house that we were talking about with Brock. But once we had Sierra, we moved into being partners together for the first time ever. Like in so terms the, of business partners. Yes. So the way that went down is, you know, we have two young kids. And this is over the course of about three years. I'm building this business. It started off being a personal training business. I was teaching fitness classes in addition to that every day and also doing some management for 24-hour fitness health clubs and eventually I had to give up the management position because I was building this two things I was building a in-home personal training business and I was building a brand called turbo kick where it was a combination of kickboxing and hip-hop and drills and music it was really cool but anyways we it's a cool you should do a full story on the transition of that because the first turbo kick looks nothing like what looks anybody's like ever seen I remember doing like you, you did a lot like warm-ups for like some sports drills and stuff like that right uh, we'll save that for another okay. podcast anyways so I was building this brand and what would happen is I would you know it was me and I think I had an assistant at the time and I was trying to save money by doing everything myself. And I talk a lot about this on Build Your Tribe. If you don't subscribe to Build Your Tribe, what are you doing? What are you doing with your life? You need to subscribe to Build Your Tribe because because you do. It's going to help you create additional income, even if you're not interested in starting a business. But one of the mistakes I made is I tried to do everything myself instead of outsourcing things or finding or hiring someone to do it because I believed erroneously that that would save us money. And I think a lot of you are going to relate to this. I felt like I didn't have Brett's 100% support on the business because it wasn't massive. It took up a lot of my time. And the last thing I wanted to do was go to him and say, hey, can we take this extra money and invest it in help or, you know, whatever. I just didn't want to spend any money because I already felt guilty about the fact that I didn't know if he supported it entirely. So a lot of times I would say, hey, honey, can you help me do this? Can you help me do that? Because I was trying to do everything myself. So then we were ham and egg in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Brett isn't a fitness instructor and didn't really... Understand all the words in... Um, terms you mean? Tr- yeah, all the terms. I didn't under- like. There wasn't a vested interest in it, and I think that's where a lot of times when we talk to couples mm-hmm. that are trying to work together, like you can't be like partially in it. If you're going to go into business with your partner, you got to be vested and you got to dive in and you got to like really understand like what's going on with the business. And I wasn't. I was like listening with just one ear. You were a different dude back then too. Let's face it. Yeah. Right. We all change. Yes, we do. But I felt like every moment and every turn, like you were resentful and didn't actually didn't like the idea. Like there were parts of it you did like. You liked that it was making some income. But I always felt like anything I wanted to do, like if I wanted to go or I need, felt like I needed to be at a conference to mm-hmm. present and I brought that up to you, I just felt like, oh, God, he, he just does not want me to do this. He hates it. He resents it. Is that true? 
it was true because I didn't understand. Once again, I'm one of those people that like I want to understand where we're going. I want directions. I want to know where we're going, and I just didn't understand like the big picture. I didn't understand why going to a conference and talking to a bunch of people that you're kind of almost in business, like in competition with, like was because they're all more like aerobic instructors and mm-hmm. and fitness professionals. Mm-hmm. That like how was that going to better our business type of thing? I just didn't understand it. I didn't understand the concept. Okay. And then I think it changed the Wait. first time I went to one. Maybe, but I also think that, you know, like, there's more to the story. Like, you had your own demons. Oh, for sure. That you were dealing with, and you were gambling then. Yeah, massively. Yeah, so we, I don't know, we'll do it, we should do an update on that podcast, but Brett was missing something. Like, you went from being a competitive athlete... And, you know, being the person who wins for the team and being under all this pressure and being in stadiums and then all of a sudden he's going to a day job where he's working in like a dingy office with like five guys and answering phones and dispatching and then coming home to a screaming baby. I'm saying this in retrospect that now I understand it. But what he was missing was that adrenaline rush that like I got to take a win for the team. And so he started gambling and I knew he was gambling. But I only knew about the wins. Yeah. So, I I mean, it was definitely a secret and it was something that, you know, happened in our past that I've fixed and, you know, substituted for other things. And I know, I know why I gambled through, you know, going through years of therapy. I also know what feelings stir up that kind of, you know, and I've told you before, like, that's kind of like... I don't get the urge to gamble, but those feelings can still come back. I just what know kind of feelings? Kind of like um, a little bit of anxiety and a little bit of like if there's some maybe some loneliness. If there's some like where there's I don't want to say depression. I don't think I was depressed, but like a, a loneliness like feeling. I feel like, like I want to yeah, like I want to fill something up. I see. And now I fill it up with things that are not secret right. not secrets and also that are beneficial to our family secrets will keep you sick people you are only as healthy as your darkest secret like you have got to release secrets secrets make a whole family sick and I'm happy to say that that was a really hard transition we haven't even got there yet but I think that's one of the reasons why our business when we first transitioned and working together was really awkward because he had a secret. I didn't know how to recruit him to help me and for us to be partners in this. So I would be like, hey, can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? And of course he felt resentment from that. He felt resentment, I would assume, that part of that resentment wasn't about the business. It was about that you were losing my interest, like that that was more important. Yeah, and you know, and took tra- time away, and also trying to occupy a whole secret life too. You know, I mean, so I meaning you were really preoccupied. I was preoccupied, so I knew, like, maybe sometimes you would want me my attention, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to give you my attention because my attention was somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But you didn't know that. You didn't know right. what was going on, so that would sometimes come across as snippy, snippy that I don't care about the business. Like, what do we even like? You, you know, that I was definitely made you feel like you were walking around on eggshells because you didn't know which Brett you were going to get. Yeah. So that was something that was hard. You know, once we figured out this and gone to therapy, that was probably one of the hardest things that I've heard come out of your mouth is like that, like me and the kids like walked around on eggshells and that was like ripped my heart out. So Really? Uh, oh yeah. How come? Because I know how 
I felt when I was growing up and I felt like I you know I lived with somebody that that was the same thing and I know what that felt like so mm, to, to be on to edge pa- yeah so I've lived it so and then I just kind of repurposed it to you guys and so I knew what your feelings were so I was already empathetic towards like I know what walking on eggshells means yeah and what that does to your stomach and what that does to your like psyche and brain and yeah um, when I heard that I knew like I gotta get this fixed and then on a happier note was like when you told me one time and I'll, I'll never forget it you you told me one time like you and the kids were in the car together without me and Sierra said something like dad's gonna get so mad and Brock looked at Sierra and said when was the last time dad ever got mad yeah or when was the last time dad ever did like overreacted to that and you and then you just let him kind of talk and then you kind of interjected with like yeah dad's you know, dad's, um, doesn't, you know, do that or, you know, he's, he's, he's way like more that. calm. He's, he's not like that. And so that was kind of like, so if you are that person that's, you know, makes your kids or your family walk on eggshells or there's some kind of, there's probably something down deep that you need to resolve. And then, you know, I would suggest getting to go to therapy, go to therapy because there's no better feeling to all of a sudden have that turned around uh, to where your kids don't feel that way about you. I mean, it's like, do you think people know that they're doing that? Like, cause I remember, our con- and so this is a really important conversation because so many of you have told me that you relate to that feeling that you're living with someone who makes you feel like that, that it's not that they're aggressive or violent or you know that they yell at you it's just a feeling like a feeling that you know the other person who you're with is unhappy and and you just feel constantly on edge like you've got to make sure everything stays smooth no but i think that if the people that are listening right now that have that feeling like that they're walking on eggshells around their partner their, yeah. their whatever whatever it is that i think that they owe it to themselves to at least talk to that person about it and tell them how it makes them feel because I mean mean, at least for me that was like a pivotal point of like my life and our lives together I assume I could be wrong but I assume that it was really hearing that the kids were feeling that not that I was feeling it it was you knowing that the kids were feeling that is what motivated you to yeah I mean I would say both but when the kids all of a sudden were in that mix too then I was I needed to stop what do they call that like when you stop something stop that happened. the bleeding no yeah stop the bleeding but like when you when you change your 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 change legacy your, yeah your legacy so you ah. cha- you're changing like the way your kids are going to move forward through like life so do you suspect that most people who are that way are that way because they grew up that way 100% really yes so there, you know, we did a podcast about emotional intimacy, and that is a really, if what we're talking about right now really resonates, and you kind of don't know what to do, listen to that podcast about emotional intimacy, because where Brett and I are today is not where we were, you know, early in our marriage. I remember thinking, I wish I had a guy who I didn't feel this way. I wish I'd married someone who I could feel like as happy with me as I was with them that they were just a happy person I remember thinking gosh I just want to go to this conference and I bet I wonder if all these other women are walking around with a pit in the bottom of their stomach the way I am I would be at those conferences and I would feel sick because I'm like he's upset that I'm here and I didn't know why you know and now I get messages from people saying 
gosh, I wish I had a marriage like you two, or I wish I had a Brett. And I just want you to know that, like, I'm a different person today, and he's a different person today. So don't give up on your partner, but connect with them so you understand why they are the way they are, and so that you can help them to reach their potential, because you are an incredible human today. Like, and talking all, about me? Yeah. Well, thank you. So I, you've always been an incredible human. I'm, <laughs> I've, just, I've just raised raised the bar for myself. Well, that's, I've got a lot of things to work on too, but I just, you're not the person who I was married to at first. Like I, there was a lot of things I loved about you, but there are a lot of things I was like, well, I'll just deal with this. And when we did deal with it and did the hard work, wow, what a payoff. So I guess the transition that we're leaving off on is, you know, when we started working together and, you know, that's when things really got compounded because I was deep into my own addiction. So for me to escape, Brett was escaping with gambling. I was escaping with work. So once the kids were down, I would stay up until 12, 1, 2 a.m. working. My mind was constantly thinking about work because I felt like I could make him happy and I could fix the world if my business was successful. A, and B, it was like an addiction. Like any kind of an addiction is something for you to think about other than what you don't want to think about. And what I didn't want to think about was the tension I was feeling. I didn't want to think about a lot of things. I just wanted to focus on work. And so I had to uh, deal with my, why I felt that way. And he had to deal with his addiction. And we'll tell that whole story at some point, like how I found out my investigative skills and how we got you help and what that was like in our marriage and when we finally told our kids, which we didn't tell our kids about any of that until... I talked about it on stage at MIA. Yeah, Brett was about to tell the story for the first time. For Smart Success. At Smart, uh, one of our events and our kids were both in high school and we felt like, you know what, they're old enough now to understand and learn from this and we can share it in a way, I hope, that helps them. But that transition period of starting to work together was difficult and now it's our favorite thing but if I could just quickly summarize it you have to communicate you have to be respectful you have to be kind and you have to boost and lift the other person up we have so many friends who are in business together and they don't do that they just complain yeah I mean like you've said in the past not everybody is meant to be in business true with each other and I firmly believe that but if you're in business with your partner and you're going to be in business with your partner, you have to respect boundaries and you have to like go. Marriage is a partnership. Like, you know, what we're talking about right now is business, but really marriage is a partnership. And if you're approaching your marriage, like do this and do like, like your enemies. Yeah. And like, you know, you have this list of things to do and I have this list of things to do. And then at, at night we'll figure out like, you know, who got everything. It's like, you can't have marriage like it's like a scoreboard it's the, that's yeah. the worst thing that you can do is like treat your marriage like there's a scoreboard going on and like who did what and who's doing what and I do more than that person because like you, the one thing that you've said and don't bring up past scores yeah and it's not a, like it's not 50-50 no because 50-50 is unrealistic that's like in some weird like you know utopia that like everything's like everything's 50-50 right marriage is sometimes it's 90-10 mm-hmm. it just depends on like what season you're going through and like like what person has to do more or you know it just depends and as long as you are okay with 
the times when you're the 80 and the, your partner's the 20 because it's going to be reversed and don't worry about it. Yeah. And if you're constantly the 80, then that means you might be doing something that is forcing it to be like that. Like you're like going, I'm just going to do all this because he can't do any of it or she can't do any of this. So I'm just going to do it all. Yeah. You know, and that's not a good. It breeds resentment and resentment is the downfall I mean, once you hit that point of resentment, oof, it's hard to come back from that. So, yeah, and then you get in the habit of just complaining all the time to, you know, other people. Like, you don't complain to your, like, you're done complaining to your your spouse. You just complain to your friends. Yeah. And that's tiring. (laughs) Yeah, it is. And it's just not helpful. Like, the best thing you can do is be loving and empathetic, try to become more emotionally connected. And treat the other person with great respect and see the good. We Too often we're looking for all the negatives and we don't see all of the positives and all the BS that that person has to deal with because you're not so great. Like, you're not perfect, right? Like So whenever you're feeling resentment towards your spouse or your partner, just think about the things that they have to put up with with regard to you and start complimenting and seeing all the great things. See the positive. Figure out your partner's love language mm-hmm. and then do that. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. It's like figure out what it is. Go read the book. Sit down with your partner. The figure five out exactly. Yeah. And figure out which one or two. Because usually there's one strong one and one that's kind of right there with it. So there's mm-hmm. usually like, you know, a, a 1A and one and 1B type of thing yeah. going on there. Yeah. Figure what that is and then do it on a regular basis and watch what happens. And remember your partner, no matter what, they want to feel significant. So if you just start every day by saying, how can I make this person feel significant and important? Like, just I'm excited to see them. I'm excited to be around them. That person will start to reciprocate, I think, I hope, for you. We've gotten through all of our seasons and we're entering into a new one, so wish us luck. But I think we have the tools. I think we have the experience. Mm -hmm. I think we have each other's support. We'll definitely get through this season. I think it's going to be a fun season. Yeah, it's going to be great because it's time for our kids to start doing their own little seasons and growing. I love watching our kids grow. I I love seeing their progress. I love the progress that Sierra made this summer. I love the progress that Brock's made like and that they'll talk to us about this stuff and that they're both cool with therapy and they're both oh you know like they like growth. Mm-hmm. What were you gonna say? Just think about all the new rooms that we can go have fun in. Oh jeez. You <laughs> <laughs> gotta keep this stuff PG. Sorry about that everybody. Well listen, I didn't think we were gonna talk for this long but we're in traffic because we're driving to LA. This is the bonus edition. Brett said we should get a helicopter. I'm like, this isn't Oprah's operation over here. We ain't got Oprah money. We're not helicoptering from Orange County to LA. You know what? One of the funniest things I've ever heard about Oprah money. What? Is when I think it was Chris Rock. Mm-hmm. He said the difference between <laughs> like being rich and wealthy. He's like, you know, you guys all think that. He said, Oprah is rich. He said, Bill Gates is wealthy. It's an old joke, right? Uh-huh. He said, he said, put it this way. If Bill Gates woke up tomorrow morning with Oprah's money, he'd jump out a window. <laughs> <laughs> it's all perspective. All perspective. So true. Well, thanks for spending this time with us, you guys. We really appreciate you. We love you. Talk to you soon. This episode has been brought to you by the Smart Life Push Journal. If you're the type of individual who loves to make lists, keep yourself on task, 
get organized and there just don't seem to be enough hours in the day. This is a convenient, lightweight, simple to use 30-day system. This is not just a day planner. And learn how you can get your health, fitness, life, and goals organized and develop the laser focus you need to have the life that you deserve. Check it out. Go to smartlifepushjournal.com.